gospel reading for this morning comes from John's gospel, beginning in the 20th chapter at the first verse. And John wrote these things. Early in the morning on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone was moved away from the entrance. And she ran at once to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, breathlessly panting. They took the master from the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. Peter and the other disciple left immediately for the tomb, and they ran neck and neck. The other disciple got to the tomb first, outrunning Peter. And stooping to look in, he saw the pieces of linen cloth lying there, but he didn't go in. And Simon Peter arrived after him, entered the tomb, observed the linen cloths lying there, and the kerchief used to cover his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but separate, neatly folded by itself. Then the other disciple, the one who'd gotten there first, went into the tomb, took one look at the evidence, and believed. No one yet knew from the scripture that he had to rise from the dead. And the disciples then went back home. But Mary stood outside the tomb weeping, and as she wept, she knelt to look into the tomb and saw two angels sitting there dressed in white, one at the head and the other at the foot of where Jesus' body had been laid. And they said to her, Woman, why do you weep? Well, they took my master, she said, and I don't know where they put him. And after she said this, she turned away and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't recognize him. Jesus spoke to her. Woman, why do you weep? Who are you looking for? And she, thinking that he was the gardener, said, Mister, if you took him, tell me where you put him so I can care for him. And Jesus said, Mary. And turning to face him, she said in Hebrew, Rabboni, meaning teacher. And Jesus said, Don't cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go to my brothers and tell them, I ascend to my Father and your Father, my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went, telling the news to the disciples, I saw the Master. And she told them everything that he had said to her. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? Well, Lord, we come to the empty tomb with expectant hope in our hearts and the prayer of faith on our lips. We are confident that you are about to do a new thing. We believe that the stone which we struggle to move ourselves is about to be blown out of its ruts. And we look for an encounter with the risen Christ. And to that end, we bow in worship and worship in wonder, and wonder in faith, and have faith in you. Open our ears, our minds, our hearts to your word for us this day. Amen. The Celts had a refined and beautiful notion of friendship. 
In the early Celtic church, a person who acted as a teacher, companion, or spiritual guide was called an anamkara, the Gaelic words for soul friend. The anamkara was the person to whom one confessed, revealing confidential aspects of one's life, one's mind, and one's heart. This person had a special intimacy with you, and your friendship was an act of primal recognition. It cut across all barriers of convention, morality, and religion. The Anamkara could see you from a spiritual perspective. Well, the time was Sunday morning. It was just before dawn. And the setting, a garden not too far away from the place where Jesus had been cruelly crucified. And in the garden was a tomb, fresh hewn from rock. A giant stone had once sealed that tomb, but that morning it had been rolled aside. And Mary Magdalene made her way to that lonely spot. Now, I know that you know the end of the story, or you probably wouldn't be here this morning. But just for a moment, could you put yourself in her place? Her first thought was not resurrection, it was robbery. Her first reaction wasn't God at work but grave robbers at work. And Mary's first response wasn't, he is risen. It was, he is stolen. So she runs back across town through the still silent streets to Peter and John, even wakes them up perhaps, and shouts, they took the master from the tomb. We don't know where they put him. And they hurried back to the tomb with her, but they were as mystified as she. And they returned to the safety and seclusion of their hiding spots. And Mary was now alone in her grief. And she stood weeping outside the entrance to the tomb. So in desperation, she stooped down as she cried and allowed herself just one more look inside, into that empty space. And imagine her shock when she saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head, the other at the foot. And they asked her, Woman, why do you weep? They took my master, and I don't know where they put him. And at this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, though she didn't know it was him. And Jesus spoke to her, Woman, why do you weep? Who are you looking for? And thinking he was the gardener, she said, Hey, mister, if you took him, tell me where you've put him so I can go care for him. And Jesus said, Mary, and turning to him, she said, teacher, and when he called her name, she recognized her Anamkara, 
And in a sudden burst of emotion, she sought to embrace him. And impulsively, she reached for him. And he stopped her. She'd have to hold him in her heart. And that's what she did. She later would run and tell the disciples, I have seen the master. So all these years later, what does Mary Magdalene's experience on that first Easter Sunday have to do with your life or with mine? Do you suppose there are tombs in our own lives that we peek into with a sense of helplessness and despair? Do we hope to find life in those tombs? And then is there some sense in which each of us can come through a crisis of doubt and uncertainty and be able to proclaim, I have seen the Master? You know that first Easter Sunday, if actions speak louder than words, those first disciples made it abundantly clear that they no longer believed that Jesus was the hope of the world. Our Easter Sunday is a day of bright colors, joyful music and celebrations, enthusiastic worship. And I think we can't fully appreciate the Easter message, however, if we cannot understand that the very first Easter was born in total darkness. His disciples had professed to believe that Jesus was the Messiah who had come to deliver Israel. But now he lay in a borrowed grave, beat up almost beyond recognition. And his followers now hid behind closed doors, perhaps out of fear and despair and an uncertainty about what in the heck they should do next. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you've lived behind closed doors for a while. Many good people have. And the two nights following that crucifixion were the longest nights for those who loved him. They were the longest nights that they would ever endure. And perhaps you've had your experience of your own long night. The words of a doctor, I'm sorry, it's malignant. There's nothing we can do. A phone call, there's been an accident, could you come to the hospital? Many of you have had your own long night. Easter didn't come out of the brightness of day. Mary came to the tomb while it was still dark. But Christ is alive. He's not dead. He's alive. And because he is alive, we discover that the sun rises again and birds sing and joy begins to creep back into our life. All of nature echoes this possibility. The rhythm of nature declares not only the glory of God, but the victory of life over death, hope over despair, light over darkness, joy over fear. 
New life appears all around us as spring begins to blossom. The bud that appears on the rose that has seemed lifeless for a season is God's whisper to us. You can make it. I'm nearer than you know. I won't let you fall. And finally this Easter morning, you need to hear and you need to leave here knowing that this Easter promise of new life is available to anyone who will receive it. As Christ was resurrected from the grave, so may you and I experience new life through him. And that is the gift that he longs to give to each one of us. It is the opportunity to experience victorious living here and now. So are you anxiously peering into an empty tomb this morning? Don't give up. There is a friend, an Anamkara, nearer than you know. He is calling your name. The redeeming Savior who has been literally to hell and back for you offers his loving word and healing embrace. Mary, John, Peter, Chuck, Becky, Lori. Craig, Rick, Benny, Scott, Jason, Leslie, Ed, Russ, Brenda. He calls us all by name. He heals us in his grace and he offers us new life. To God be the glory, amen.